0: Well, 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 good morning once again, church. How are we doing today? Y'all good? Come on, let's give God a great big hand. You know what? I made a decision a while ago. You know what I'd do if I wasn't saved? I would get saved. Come on. That's just truth right there. I would get saved. How about you? Would you get saved if you weren't saved? Come on, that's what I would do because it's a really, really good deal. Jesus gets all my stuff and we get him. I call that a good, good deal because he's a good, good father. Love that worship set this morning. So glad you braved the ice. Come on, how many of you all stepped outside and you thought about staying home? Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Come on, yeah. Yeah, I thought, yeah, this is dangerous, but I'm the pastor. Come on, here we go. (laughs) But I made it here. Hallelujah, before I get rolling, with a great, great word, and uh Part two of what we build is spiritual, I'm going to be going to Nehemiah, you're going to want to open your Bibles and get something to write with, but before I do that, I want to let you know about a great opportunity we have. I don't know if you knew this or not, but today's Valentine's Day. I'm watching for the shocked faces right now, oh yeah, yeah, hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you. Listen, um, my wife and I—we—we—we we, we don't make the rookie mistake. We don't go out on Valentine's Day anymore. How many of y'all know that's a rookie mistake? Yeah, yeah. But after all, being married to me—I mean, every day's Valentine's Day. <laughs> mm. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, listen, on the way out, all married and engaged couples, you're going to get a little box of uh, chocolate kisses. And it's a, a reminder that we have a great, great day on March 13th coming up. It's going to be um, for marriages. It's our XO conference there. And it's going to be a one-day event at North Braddock for our whole church coming together. And uh, we're going to be getting together and uh, hearing the word of God, getting marriages strengthened. How many of y'all want to be a part of a church that has strong marriages? Come on. I do. And, and Listen. I realize if you're not married right now, we still want strong marriages. Is that, is that okay to say? Come on, we do. And so I want you to get there. As a matter of fact, I want you to take $40 out of your account and put it in our account and um, and get there, amen? amen? So on the way out, you're going to get a little reminder that that's happening, and so please get signed up. Actually, a few people from here are going to be sharing. My wife and I, we're going to be doing uh, one of the sessions for you, and actually, um. Adam and Marla are going to be doing a session, and John and Melanie, Katie are going to be doing a session. So we got all kinds of people going to be sharing with you. You don't want to miss it. And uh, and just a reminder to all the young adults out there, tonight we're going to be meeting at 5 o'clock at North Braddock. My wife and I have been meeting with all the young adults, and uh, just having a great, great time with them, encouraging them. We're doing a question and answer time tonight, and then we're getting ice cream after. How many of y'all wish you were young? Adult, come on, Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Maybe we'll do an old adult night soon. I don't know. We'll we'll be there. Is that okay to say? <laughs> Not so young adult. Here we go. Hallelujah. How many y'all? We need to just get to the word right now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Oh, listen, here we go. Part two, what we build is spiritual. What we're building is spiritual, and we're taking a look. Actually, this is part two. We're going to be doing this the whole way through. Actually, all the way up to Easter, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, Actually, years ago, and some of you may remember this, um, uh, the pastor at the time, I wasn't the lead pastor. I think it was right around a 26-week series. It felt like a 50-week series, but it was about a 20-some-week series on Nehemiah. We're not quite going that long. We're going to do, we're going to do eight here. And we're going to be jumping in and picking up where we left off in Nehemiah 2 and making our our way whole way through Nehemiah chapter 3. And uh, this is the deal. And I've mentioned this before. How many of you all have heard of people having near-death experiences? You you know, people talk about near-death experiences. But in reality, what most Christians are not having near-death experiences because actually to to die is to go be with Jesus, right? And, I mean, that'll be like, wow, you know, I think we should change our view of heaven. Like, I missed it, right? But near, but what we suffer from as Christians are near-life experiences. And like, where you get so close to life, you get so close to that step of faith, you get so close to being just there to experience the exhilarating, powerful, awesome presence of God, but it just doesn't happen. And so we get to the edge of life, but we don't jump into it. We retreat back. And I think most Christians are suffering from near-life experiences rather than near-death experiences. Nehemiah didn't just have a near-life experience. He went for it all the way. He acted in faith. See, he allowed his compassion to turn into construction, and he required courage, which turned into cooperation to see God do something great with his people. How many of y'all still believe in God to do something great with with his people? I am all the way. Here we are, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8, and the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Now listen, most of us get to the point where the gracious hand of God was upon us okay the gracious hand of God is upon us but that's as far as we go we experience love we have a great worship service like this maybe we get to a small group we start to experience the grace of God but that's as far as we go and I want to tell you that is only chapter two of your life that's not your whole life because see the grace of God is designed to prepare us to move forward the grace of God is preparing us to take us into the work that God has for us. See, many people experience the grace of God, and they stop there. See, life happens when we appropriate that. See, Nehemiah, he fasted and prayed four months here. And then to pick it up right where we left off, in, in chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, um, God um, releases Nehemiah from his from his job, from his boss, and he gets, he gets a free Lowe's card. How many of y'all would like the free Lowe's card? Get all the lumber you need, come on, wouldn't you like that? Come on, 84 Lumber, Lowe's and Home Depot. Whatever you need, it's yours. Come on, how many of y'all like that? How many of y'all wouldn't know what to do with all that lumber, but you'd still like it? Come on. And so he gets the card, he gets everything, he's released with a blessing, to leave where he was in Susa, which is part of Persia, and he's going to travel to Jerusalem, which was a place that represented God's presence. It was a temple created for worship that was was destroyed. Ezra came, rebuilt the temple for a place of worship, but the walls surrounding Jerusalem were were broken down. And, And this bothered him, and so he wanted to go do something about it. How many of you, I shared this last week, how many of you just know something's wrong in our culture, in our world, and something must be done? Am I in the right place today? Go on, how many of y'all can sense it? Something's wrong and something needs to be done. Okay, now I want you to look to your neighbor right now and say, You're the one that needs to do something. Just look at him. Just so say, He's talking to you. You got to, He's talking to you. Yeah. How many of y'all, yeah. See, many people are praying for God to do something. Now, sometimes I think God's up in heaven saying, I'm waiting on you. I just, God's looking down from heaven going, I'm just waiting on you. If you'll, and, and, and I think that's true. See, he didn't allow the grace of God to, to, to keep him there. God set Nehemiah up for success. Success was an opportunity disguised as opposition, destruction, and hopelessness. Now, see, you need to catch this. We all, we all want, want success, don't we want success? But we're all gonna need to face the, the, the opportunities that we have, which are opposition, destruction, and hopelessness. This is part of why God put us on this planet to go into situations like this and grant us great success. Are you with me? That's what God wants, and that's what Nehemiah had to see here. Now, before we go on here, I just wanna stop for a minute. And give you a preview to the end of the, of the book of Nehemiah. Let me oversimplify what's at stake right here. Let me oversimplify. In chapter 1 we saw that Nehemiah wanted a place for God to be honored. I want a place where God is honored. I want Bridge City Church to be a place where God is honored. I want every church in the east suburbs of Pittsburgh to be a place where God is honored. I want every church in Pittsburgh. I want every church in Western Pennsylvania. I want every church in Pennsylvania. I want this our region and our city and our place to be a place where God is honored. But not there. I want the Word of God to be esteemed and revered. Because at the end of the book of Nehemiah, the word of God, now it wasn't the whole entire Bible as we know it. It was only the first five books at this point. But it was revered. It was honored. It was, it, it, it was esteemed. They read the book of the law. I want, that to be, I want this house to be a place where the word of God is honored and esteemed and revered. How about you? That's what's at stake. That's what brings change. Are you with me? This book has power. It has great power, but not there. I want God's people to be restored. How about you? I want God's people that, first of all, the ones in the walls to be restored so that we can go out of the walls and see other people restored. See, this isn't the goal. People's lives being restored are the goal. So at the end of the book, this is what's at stake right here. And if we miss this, this becomes a self-improvement class rather than a God-improvement class. See, many people are into self-improvement, but I'm telling you, I've tried to improve myself, and it don't work. Because more of me, guess what I got? More of me. And more of me isn't pretty. Are you with me? Okay. Come on, I know some of you, are, you're kind of mesmerized by this pink sweater. A couple people told me, so a guy said, I'd never wear that sweater. I'd say, you shouldn't, because it looks good on me. That's why I was telling you. Come on, come on. I don't want more of me. I want God improvement. That's what this is about. This is a place where God is honored, a place where God get, get, gets his due. And, then, and, and right here, I want to stop for a moment and listen. You're going to see some things advertised about our Grow Foundations class coming up. There's going to be seven weeks down at North Braddock. Our whole church, whoever wants to come together and learn the basics of the foundations of the faith, a couple people, who here has finished Grow Foundations 1 already? Several people right here. Okay, they're going to be going to the next level, but you got to go through level 1 to get to level 2. That's the way school works. I don't know if you know that. you got to finish first grade to go to second grade. Okay, they tried, they, they, there were several grades they wanted me to stay, but I made it through. Come on. Come on, but we, I want you to get signed up. I want you to give your Sunday nights because we are going to revere and esteem and honor the Word of God at Bridge City Church. Who's with me now? So I want, you to, I want you to write that down. March 7th, it begins on Sunday nights. It's gonna be from six to eight and you're gonna have a great time. Okay, Nehemiah chapter two, verse nine. Here it is, y'all ready for the word now? Here we go. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sandballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, they were displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel." First of all, in the New King James, I like the way it says, it says, like, he prayed, God gave him grace, and then I went. Everybody say, then I went. then I went. See, that's the goal of the Word of God. It's so that then I went. We must go. Everybody say, we must go. we must go. See, that's the goal of the Word of God is that we must go, then I went, not then I thought. Then I prayed. See, the moment Nehemiah stepped out, Other people were displeased. I want to let you know, the moment you try serving God, there's going to be people displeased with you. Especially when you have the favor of God on you, people are not going to like it. They're not going to like it at all. They're not going to be happy at all. And I'm telling you this, they, listen, they're, they're going to be displeased with you. And this was a journey. Look at this map of this journey here. They, Nehemiah was going to have to travel a long, long way. He was in Susa to your far right. He went up the Euph- across the Euphrates. How many know if you're going to follow God, he's going to have to take you into new territory? He's going to take you through enemy territory. No, I want you to catch this. See, in Pittsburgh, we, we don't like crossing rivers. It's not quite as bad as it used to be. I remember as a kid, whenever we had to cross a river, it was like we had to brace ourselves. It was like, we are going to cross a river. I mean, I grew up in Lovell Green, and, and, and going to Kennywood, I, I thought Kennywood was like on the uttermost parts of the earth. I thought like it was like, I just thought, like, we're, we're traveling to Kennywood. I mean, it might take days to get there. I mean, it's like, i got to cross the river. I mean, I say, yeah, we cross, yeah. But sometimes rivers, are they mark territories. I want you to catch something biblically. See, sometimes what God is doing, he's saying, I'm going to take you from where you are in your pagan place, in your Babylonian confusion, idolatry, and pride. I'm going to cross the river, take you through enemy territory into the place where I want you. Did you hear the word of God right there? God's speaking to you, I believe, right now. God is speaking. He's going to take you there. This was this was over 900 miles. Nehemiah was going to have to go over 900 miles. This wasn't like he just the king gave him a, gave him an airline voucher and he just ran down and got himself a ticket. He was going to have to put it all together. He was going to have to get it get, get people together. Then he was going to have to travel over three months to get to his destination. Come on, what I'm trying to say to you is sometimes we want it fast, we want it quick, but God wants us to enjoy the journey and take us through new territories, but you need to realize new new levels bring what? New devils. New levels, new devils. And we're gonna have to cross through territories to get to where God wants us to get to here. He wants to take us into a place of faith. He wants to take us into a place in in a faith realm. Now let's take a look real quick At these guys who opposed him, because they're going to show up several times in the book of Nehemiah, and let's take a look at these guys: Sandballot the Horonite. Now he just sounds ornery to me. How about you? I don't know. Have you have you you, did you go to school with anybody named Sandballot? I never met a Sandballot in all my life. I mean, I mean, maybe in Star Wars there's one, but I don't know of anywhere else there. But Sandballot the Horonite and then Tobiah the Ammonite, and then there's Nehemiah. Now let, 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 listen to me. I want to speak to your heart here right now. Sanballat was, was, was a, like a pagan name. Like There's Yahwistic names and there's pagan names. And what it really me- means is sin, moon God, that sin gives life okay, but he was also recognized for being a Horonite from Beth Horon from where he was from. So not only did he have a pagan identity, he also identified with his region. Follow me. Tobiah actually has a Yahwistic name. He actually has a name that, that, that's Hebrew. It means, come on, it means Yahweh is good. Yahweh is good. Are you with me? Okay, and so, but he he recognized himself as from the region he was from. Ammon, follow me. Nehemiah, it doesn't say Nehemiah of Susa. It says Nehemiah, Yahweh comforts, who he was in Christ, settled the deal. See, in, in the Bible, it talks about all the ites. That would be like saying, Eric, the Monrovalite. Okay, just think of that. It's from the region there. Listen, follow me here. Many of us, we have a new identity in Christ, but we're so wrapped up in our region, we recognize our region and we allow that identity to define us. In many people, even here at our church and in our region, even though, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. I'm the most high God. I am victorious. God has a plan for me. We recognize ourselves and we identify more with our region than we do with the God of the region. And I'm trying to speak to you right now today, and I'm challenging us as I receive the challenge first. Is that, did I, am I, am I more recognizing myself from who God has made me, or more as a Yinzer or a Pittsburgher? No, I'm serious. See, we can allow, or how about this? How about, well, no, I'm not a Pittsburgher, but how about a good old USAer? Well, wait a minute, isn't God a USAer? I, I don't, I, listen, I'm, I, I I, I haven't had a near-death experience. I haven't been to heaven yet, but I'm going to tell you this. I don't believe there's an American flag there. No, I'm serious. See, we think that just because our country was founded on certain principles that we have a certain right. And I want to tell you this. I'm a child of God, but I'm identifying more with heaven because that's my citizenship. And if we're going to be used of God, we need to shake off our region Okay? And we need to identify with who God is creating us to be. Come on, are you with me now today? Come on, that's what I believe God is saying to us right now. But why weren't, they ha- why weren't these two happy, Sanballat and Tobiah? They weren't happy. You know why? Because as long as God's people are weak and vulnerable, as long as they go do their little worship and keep it quiet in their four little walls, they don't care. But the moment we decide that we're gonna be a place of security and protection and we're gonna make a difference in our region, you better believe there's gonna be people that aren't gonna be happy about that. There's gonna be a principality. There's a prince of this air. There's something that comes against us. Are you with me now? So verse 11, so I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals and except the donkey I was riding. So Nehemiah shows up in Jerusalem three months travel. How many of y'all know he was tired? Took three days. Like I said, there's big 18-wheeler trucks out front because the, the, the king gave him free lumber. So he has all this lumber. Everybody knows he's there. He just went on the down low for a little bit. And then he slipped out and he began to assess the situation. So he's like, he's not, nobody really knows what's going on. It's almost like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane takes his three closest followers. They didn't know what was going on. They just followed him there. Am I right? you can look that up. So sometimes there's something going on we don't know about. There's something happening. There's a movement happening that we're not following all the way. I don't know about you, but if I was Nehemiah and I showed up in Jerusalem, I would have called a news conference. I would have started a Facebook page, right? Come on, that's what we would have done. We would have said, hey, I'm here. This is what we're going to do. Nehemiah didn't do that. He just went down low, and he went and assessed what was going on. That's what he did. I'm not going to take anybody with me. Verse 13, after dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So, though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. What Nehemiah is doing, he's going around, he's inspecting what's going on, and he's seeing complete destruction. He's seeing this, like, go down here, and I can only imagine what he's feeling right now. But really, when that word inspected, that means to probe deeply, like you probe a wound, Like you have to clean out a wound. What I want to tell you is the deeper the hurt, the deeper the cleaning. The deeper the wounds, the more you have to go deep to get them cleaned. And many people in this room right now have deep wounds and have deep hurts, and God's saying, I want to go deep because I want to clear out that wound. And we need others in our lives to inspect it. We need others in our lives to look at it. We need others in our lives to to take a look at that, to inspect, to probe, to push. So he went out and he began to look. Now, I don't know about you. This is what I imagine happened. I don't have a proof text, but I can't imagine that Nehemiah, so compassionate, giving up, risked everything to come do this work that he, he he he, he couldn't have been, he had to be crying. See, something happens inside of you when you see destruction and when you see what really has happened to people's lives. I remember a trip, um, Hurricane Katrina, years ago. And I remember you hear about hurricanes and you see the damage kind of on the news. And so there was a group of us. We sent a couple teams there. And I remember getting there and actually seeing people's homes destroyed like half of their homes destroyed and then the same people came to the little outpost we had which was right on the gulf coast there we were we were set up and we would feed people every day and people who had jobs and they they, they had a very good livelihood they had they lost everything they lost their jobs they lost family members they were literally living in half of homes they would just pull down tarps at night and sleep See, it's one thing to hear about it, but when I saw it with my eyes, it broke my heart. And what I believe God wants us to do as a church is see the hurt and see the destruction again. Because when we dare to look at people the way God's created them with eyes of compassion, he's going to break our hearts again. So again, I can't prove to you Nehemiah had a tear in his eyes, But I can't imagine that he didn't. That's just the way I read the Bible. So hear that. You know, hear that tension there. That's just my, the way I, my impression of it is. This is why I am so, I am so, so bent church that we must, we have to send, we must send the young people in our church on missions trips. I believe it's a mandate from God. I believe way more than summer soccer camp, they need trips to Haiti in Guatemala, in Honduras, in name name of Africa. I, I believe this with all my heart. How about this? If we can't get them there, let's send them to Buffalo, to the third poorest city in the United States of America. Every time I've gone there on a trip, and I've led several trips with young people there, God breaks my heart every time. And that's why I'm so thrilled that we're sending a trip to Guatemala in the month of March here coming up. And those of you that never been there before, and I know some of you are risking a lot to go, risking time off and days off, and you're going, God's going to break your heart. You know, sometimes we go on missions trips and we go to do something good, and God he breaks your heart in the process. Am I right? No, literally, what I'm trying to say to you is we've got to dare to look, church. This is what I believe Nehemiah. He starts seeing everything torn down. He starts seeing lives the way they should be. And this is why we should, we, we must, we have a mandate to keep feeding people. I, I just looked at the numbers from a year ago. Our church has served over 5,000 families, 5,000 bags and boxes of food and stuff. We must continue. It's a mandate from God. But I'm gonna tell you this, more important than the food you, get, you hand out, which is vitally important, please don't get me wrong, God does a work in our hearts. And if you want, you want God to do a work in your heart, you're gonna go back to connection point and you're gonna say, I need to know when the next time I can serve and I can be a part of helping people because I need God to break my heart again. You'll just go right back there, say I need a number, I need to know where to show up, I need to know when, and God's gonna do a work in your heart. How many of y'all need God to do a work in your heart? Come on, come on, I do, come on, I do. I need it in my life. I really really desperately do here. Vision is a mental picture of what could be fueled by a passion that it should be. Nehemiah had a had a mental picture of God God's temple and God's house being restored, but he had a passion that this should happen. That my friends is what vision is. That's what vision does in our hearts. It's not just what could be, it should be. Let's go on here in verse 16. The city officials did not know I had been out of there or what I was doing. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. He was just allowing God to do a work in his heart. He was allowing God. Listen, church, God wants to do a work in your heart. God wants to do a work in every person's heart that's here today. Not just breaking for people less fortunate, but God wants God's still in the do a work in your heart business. Come on. You may feel like you're too far removed. You may feel like God moved on. He has not. He's looking for you. He's looking for a people that he can work with and he wants something. He just needs an open door into your heart. That's all he needs is just an open door. Don't go telling everybody yet. There's gonna be an assigned time you can tell people. But we're gonna tell people, are you with me? Let's go on verse 17. Okay, but now the time came, verse 17, this is Nehemiah. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Everybody say, we are in. Isn't it interesting, Nehemiah didn't show up to point out their problems. Hey, hey yo, Jerusalemites. You're, you're laying down on the job, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. No, 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 no. He showed up and he identified with the problem. And if we want to make a lasting impression on people, we have to say we are in. There's a disgrace, there's a scorn, there's a reproach, there's something that's not right on God's people. And this is what he's saying, but we, there's a problem that we are in. But the key is is to identify with the problem but not pick up an offense for it. See, too many people are picking up, they see problems in our culture and they're identifying with the problem but they're either pointing fingers or they're picking up an offense. Listen to me. Nehemiah didn't do either. He didn't point fingers and he didn't pick up an offense. I'm trying to help you. When we see problems in our culture, when we see problems with our society, when we see problems with what's going on, don't pick up a secondhand defense. Don't point out all the problems because anybody could do that. that. that's not a spiritual gift to find problems. The last I checked, a spiritual gift is to fix problems. Yeah, people say all the time, you know, I don't mean to be the devil's advocate. When did the devil ever need an advocate? Can you think of one time the devil was like, boy, I just wish we had a devil's advocate around here. I mean, did that ever occur to you? Come on, have you ever had a problem in, in your marriage where you're having intense fellowship? And you just said, wow, I just wish we had the devil's advocate here. Said nobody ever. Right? No, no, no. We're going to fix this problem. We're going to be one. We're going to work together. That's the we are one. Are you with me? We're one. We're going to do something about this. In, in, in Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us, everybody say let us. let us, rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. That's that word, disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversations with the king. And so he says, okay, this is the deal. We got a problem, but God's going to help us and I'm going to work with you. And then the king, I don't know if you know the king, he gave me all this lumber, all those trucks, and he gave me these other letters, and then he gave us an army, and we're going to rebuild the walls, and this is going to be good, and the gracious hand of God is on me. Come on, can you feel? Listen, I want you to picture yourself as somebody who's been in Jerusalem. Some of them now, at this point, over 100 years after they returned. Some of them are 75 years, somewhere in there. And they're just, this is as good as it gets. Oh, that's just, the, the walls are just, the walls are just falling down. This is as good as it gets. Come on, don't you have, I bet you every one of us in our home, we have either a squeaky door or something broken that you just got used to seeing that way. Come on, immediately you had something in your mind, right? You had something that's like, you know it's there, but it's just the way it is. Why well, fix it, right? Yeah, it's not gonna get any better. But when Nehemiah began to speak, what did they say here? They replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild the wall. Let's rebuild the wall. Now I know the rebuilding the wall can be controversy in some, some places, but listen, just go with me here. Okay? There's no hidden meanings here. I can see it on some of your faces. You're like, did he just say we're gonna rebuild the wall? It's like, it's like, no, the wall in Jerusalem. Come on, 400 years before Jesus was there. Come on now, follow me. That wall. Oh, that wall. Okay, I am just, whoa. I mean, it's like, hi, do we have a mission strip for a wall around here? It's like, <laughs> the problem is half of you really want to join it and half don't. That's the real problem. <laughs> just thought I'd kick that out there. <laughs> yeah. Come on, like, let's rebuild this thing. Let's do something about it. The problem is as many people, even in church, have gotten used to the way things are rather than the way God can make them. I, I just had this happen to me. I, um, I, in, in early d- December, I hurt my right knee. I got a real bad tendon problem in my right knee. I could barely walk for a while. As a matter of fact, even getting up on stage a couple of times, I could barely get up here. But I've been doing physical therapy. I've been going to the doctor. I've been doing everything I, I know to do. Um, and, and I went, I've been doing the physical therapy. They said, you need to, you need to do more. And then the doctor, I even, I even paid another copay just for him to tell me what I already knew. You ever know that you'll pay somebody just to tell you what you already knew? Yeah. And he said, he said, you need to go ahead and you need to get back to playing tennis. But my knee was hurting so bad. And and I just, I felt like I just can't do it. I can't do it. But what I needed to do because it just became, my mindset told me this is as good as it gets. I'm never going to play again. See, I was, I was battling those old thoughts that have come back to me over years. You're, you'll never do this again. You'll never be able to run. You'll, come on, are you tracking me here? Come on, there's thoughts that we all have in our lives. This is as good as it gets. You'll never. You won't. You can't. You shouldn't. Am I talking to the right crowd? Yeah, and see, I just got used to it. And so actually, it was three weeks. The doctor says, just try it, just go back. Just go back and do some things. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so I, I try it, and I, as soon as I would feel a little pain, I go, oh, see, I knew something was wrong. Yeah, I know, I know, you're looking at me like, you're like a little girl, I know, that's okay. That's like how it was, you know? I mean, and that was, that's the pink shirt. Yeah, okay, so I appreciate that. And, uh, and it was like, oh, oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong, I can't, I can't, I can't. And, 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 and I just kept saying, no, I'm going to do my exercises. So I kept doing my exercises and kept doing it and do it. And then here, just this last week, finally, I just said, you know what? Uh, God, I, I'm, I'm going to go out and play. And so I went out and played. And wouldn't you know, I mean, just a couple minutes into it, I went, oh, it's better. <laughs> they were right. This, that God wants to do the same thing in your life. Many of you here today, you have bought into you can't, you won't, you shouldn't, you'll never. And I'm telling you right now, God is lifting that off of you right now. God is lifting something off of you right now. Right in this spiritual moment, God is taking something off of you and saying, No, I want you to get back out there. I want you to start playing again. Now, I want to let you know. I played again the next day. I played yesterday. Played hard. Played with some guys I don't normally play with, and they said the guy says, "Why are you wearing that big knee brace on, on, on your leg?" I said, "Because I got, I got hurt two months ago." He says, "Is that knee brace helping?" I says, "No, but it's all psychosomatic. But I put the brace on. I feel great." And so so listen. I just I put it I put it on. But like I'm not sure what it's doing. But I'm just telling you this. And thank God it's starting to feel better. And I was able to get out of bed and walk today, which is a glory, hallelujah. Come on, somebody, yeah. Yeah, See, what I'm trying to say to you is many people have just said, this is as good as church can get. Come on, listen, I'm trying to speak to you. Many people have just said, this is as good as my finances are ever gonna get. That's a lie. This is as good as my marriage is ever gonna get. That's a lie. This is, this is as good as we're ever going to get. We're going to try to hold it together and try to get enough salt for the parking lot. That's all we're ever going to do. That's a lie. No, I'm serious. We've got to shake off the lies, church. We've got to shake them off and say no. And when Nehemiah spoke, they said, let us build. Because something came inside of them. Faith got infused to them. And that's why we revere the word of God. Because that's where faith comes from. It's the word of God that changes my life. It's the word of God that brings healing to me. It's the word of God that brings these things to me. And do you know what else I believe happened here? Is that Nehemiah brought a different perspective. Do you know what we really need in our life? We need a different perspective. Isn't it amazing? Somebody just giving you a different perspective. They look at you and they say something to you. And it's like, I never saw that. No, I'm serious. It happens all the time. And I'm doing that right now in my life. I got a personal coach. I have a coach helping us as a church right now. Because I'm listen. This isn't as good as it gets. We're moving forward. Listen, we're going to move forward, so I need a coach. You know why? Because I've been stuck in Pittsburgh too long with a Pittsburgh mindset, and the creeping of this, this world has crept into me, and I need to shake it off, but I need another outside perspective to help me get a different mindset for Jesus. That's what Nehemiah brought was a different perspective. That's why you need to get into a group. Do you know at Murraysville here we got a, we got over 100 people that joined a group? I'm so excited about that. Come on. But, but getting into a group's not the goal. Ministering to one another's the goal. Ministering, having somebody we can share perspective and encouragement and care and, and take our next steps together. That's the goal, church. Are you with me? But we need perspective. We need help with that. That's why we need, because these people, they, they should have been saying, well, the same king who says he's gonna help us told us to shut down work in Ezra 431. That's right, the same king that said stop the work is the same king that said, here, get back to work. Don't ever doubt what God can do. Are you with me? Don't doubt what God can do. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna keep rolling here. Here we go, verse 19. But when Sanballat and Tobiah... Oh, there they show up again. They're going to just keep showing up. They're going to irritate you. And they even brought somebody with them. Geshem the Arab heard of our plan. They scoffed. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? You're rebelling against the king. Stop what you're doing. Have you ever heard people tell you stop what you're doing? Come on. But I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We are his servants. We're gonna rebuild this wall, but you have no share or legal right or claim to this land in Jerusalem. And this is what we need to say. What God is doing and what we are building is spiritual. And listen, we are not gonna listen to outside forces. We're gonna build something spiritual. We're gonna build something spiritual. We're gonna continue to build. We're gonna continue to relate. We're gonna continue to minister. Like I told you, if they, 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 they come to us, I'm making it really clear again, if they come to us and say, you can't meet anymore as a church, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're, we're going to meet. I'm telling you, we're going to. And you're going to come. Or else we'll meet right out front of your house. I'm telling you right now, we will come to you. I'll come, I'll, we're going to meet right there. We're going to sing. We're going to build a big fire. We're all going to stay warm. No, I'm, I'm telling you, see, like, see we, but we have to realize what is, see, see do, don't confuse, listen to me, I know, I'm, I'm still getting a lot of questions on this, but why do we have to wear a mask? Listen, it, Listen. a lot of people won't come to church because if you're not wearing a mask, and if all I have to do is wear a mask in and mask out, so people will come and hear the word of God, I told you before, I'll tell you again, I'd wear a garbage bag on my body if that's all it took. That doesn't matter to me. That's not a mandate. I'm choosing to put aside my preference for the great for somebody else. I put aside a lot of preferences personally. Worship was so good. I thought we should go another hour and a half. Aren't you, some of you should be really happy? I put aside my preference. Others of you are like, why didn't we? Because then I was going to preach another hour and a half. That's why I'm telling you that right now. Because I was going to get moving. Are you with me? Somebody see preference, yeah? <laughs> preference versus conviction. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's feel that moment. Yeah. I'm having fun today. Come on. Um but Nehemiah reckoned, Okay, let's let's sum up Nehemiah chapter three. Let me sum it up for you. In Nehemiah chapter three, there were forty groups. Forty groups got together, and they all started building different parts on the wall. Forty different groups. Forty different groups. I want to let you know at Bridge City Church right now we have forty-seven different groups at Bridge City Church. Come on, that is. We're listen. This is what we're doing. We're rebuilding the walls. No, we're rebuilding walls. We're not, we're not trying to keep you from sinning. We're rebuilding walls because what we build is spiritual. That's why we do this thing. Are you with me? And so this is what I find. All these different groups, and they all start building. Let me just give you a few things. Some of them, there was, there was a whole family that was perfumers. I don't know what a perfumer family does. But listen, they wore pink sweaters, and they mixed together all smelly stuff. Come on. And, and, and But you know what they did when it came time to build? They got involved in the building project. Don't say it's not your gift. Don't say it. They worked together. Women were involved. And some people, they, when they were done with their part of the wall, they said, oh, they're not done. Let's go help them. And they helped them. See, they all work together because when one person succeeds, they all succeed. See, they all were working together, and they said, "We're going to rebuild this. Let us rebuild." Are you with me? See, that's what I see here. That's what was happening. Connection groups. Listen, if you're a group leader, if you're a connection group leader, I want you to go stand by your part, by your sign, right now. If you're a group leader, stand by your sign. And all the all the student leaders, all the student leaders, I want you up front. All the student leaders come up front, and if you're, um, I know some of you are usher leaders and first impressions and and in groups, and and um, that's it. Come on, we're gonna get to get by your place on the wall, and uh, here spread out just a little bit, cause you. There we go. Good, 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 okay. Good deal, Jared. You stay over there. Mary's here. You're good. Just messing. Yeah, John uh, coaches right here. If there's any other can um. Connection point leaders and facility leaders, just just come up here and just stand right over here, and, and you can stand right back there. Okay, this is the deal. See, we just see a lot of people standing around right now, but I'm telling you what they're doing. What they're doing is these are people that are reestablishing places on the wall. I want you to get a picture of something. What they're doing is spiritual. It's not organizational, it's spiritual and what they're doing is they're establishing their part and their place on the wall so that god can use them and when you get connected to one of them all the way around the back when you get connected to one of them you get connected to what god is doing is spiritual and it's not one is greater than the other because you know what great great and awesome churches are made up of not not the spiritual gift of the few but the sacrifice of the many Great churches are not made up of the of great gifting of the few. It's the sacrifice of the many. It's the sacrifice of everybody working together. It's the sacrifice that we are all in this together. That if they're if all their parts and all the different ushers and first impressions and facilities and, and outreach, I mean I could keep naming. Many of the people on the wall, they, they, they have a group and they're overseeing a team. Say, Pastor, you're overworking them. That's why you're here. Come on, you're not, we're not gonna overwork them. I'm trying to protect them, but we're gonna get more people to do all the work. Are you with me now? See, I want you to see something here. God's building something. God's establishing something. And it's not just a cool structure. It's not just a cool like, oh, that's just the way we do church. No, this is spiritual that's why we pray for them. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray over every leader to gather here. I pray for every leader, every leader up in front, all the way around, and even in the back, Lord, uh, the ones in children's work, children's ministry. I pray for them right now, Lord God, that you're going to infuse them with life. You're going to use them to minister to children, Lord God, that we're not going to lose one child to this world, God, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, Lord God, for, for infusing life into all these wall builders, Lord God release them and use them in a great and a mighty way, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. Let's give all these leaders a great big hand. Come on, let's tell them thank you. I applaud them. I applaud them. I applaud them. Come on, let's give them a great big hand. Come on, cheer them on. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You guys can quickly be seated, quickly be seated. How many of y'all are ready to build? See, so when you're in a group and you're on a team, you're ready to build. Did God open your eyes today? Did God start to open your eyes to see some things differently today? Come on, are you leaving here infused with faith today? Come on, if that's you, I just want you to stand up to your feet right where you are. If that's you, just stand up to your feet right where you are. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here now today. Infuse life, infuse faith, infuse the Holy Spirit in and on each and every one of them in Jesus' name. Stay right where you are. If you don't have a date, a moment, or a time that Jesus Christ has become the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future, you came to the right place because God put us on this planet for this very purpose and reason. God put us here. God planted us here to make a difference. And the first difference is, is, you personally saying, Jesus, I have sinned. I have fallen short. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned and missed the mark. But don't stop there. Thank him for forgiveness. Now go on and say, God, I want you to lead my life. I want you to be the leader. I want you to call the shots. Salvation can be summed up in one word, and that word is surrender. You surrender charge of your life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you today and you don't have a day, a moment, or a time that you began a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to offer you that today. And if that's you, I just want to pray for you right where you are. Just slip up your hand right where you are and just say, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I need that, I need that one time, this, this, this moment with God. Anybody at all in the house today, anybody at all, going once, going twice. Lord, thank you so much. Heavenly Father, I pray that next week and the week after and the week after, Lord God, that there's going to be many, many people responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for equipping us. Help us, Lord God, to build in Jesus' name.